Well, ladies and gentlemen, here it is once again. It's time to go Inside EMS, the internationally recognized Inside EMS. And with me always is the man to my right. I guess in this case, my left, always in the chair to my right, my good friend Kelly Grayson. KG, what's going on with you this week? The usual weather, uh, dealing with the uh, lovely late winter Louisiana weather. Uh, it's been torrential rains for like a month now, so um, I'm dealing with power outages, and uh, I think my, my internet connection is uh, made out of paper mache <laughs> because it seems to go down uh, quite often, so um just just the usual man life in Podunk, louisiana i am looking at your backdrop have you read all those books uh man i wrote all those books oh all right there you go so this is a this is a lovely backdrop so you can't tell that i'm making do at a hotel right now because there is no power at my house so well very good and speaking of writing the books how is your little uh book sales going you got a few of them out there you got kindred you've got uh they got a couple of volumes of perspectives. I mean, mm-hmm. you're just the uh, um, uh, you're, what's the guy's name? The Truman Capote of I, I don't know if anybody knows who that is of <laughs> uh, writing. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm trying to make hay while the sun shines. Uh, I'm in a uh, in a position where I could do some writing and and make use of some creative energy. So that's what I, I do. So uh, right now I'm I'm uh, working on finishing up another. Uh, Another uh, story that's going to appear in an anthology here in uh, next month. I've got uh, a story on PT, PTSD coming out in an anthology on Valentine's Day, and another one on very, space very appropriate, very appropriate for Valentine's Day. An article on PTSD. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, and I've got another story on uh, space cowboys uh, in a space cowboys anthology coming out the 24th. So what is that uh, for the next several months? It's, it's just cowboys in space. That should be like cowboys the name of a TV space. show. Cowboys in space. Yeah. I, I named my story a fistful of credits, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, sales are going good. They're building. It's, it's hard to, when you're not a fiction novelist and you don't have that that kind of reader base to uh to break into that and i i dove headfirst into a very deep pool of urban fantasy there's a whole lot of good books out there that are competition but um i'm it's sales are okay they're getting better uh and and if you've read kindred leave me a review on amazon because amazon boosts my my uh um visibility in their in their algorithms based on the number of reviews i've gotten so Write me a nice review. Right. Well, good luck with it and uh, mm-hmm. all good books. And uh, I look forward to being in the next volumes. And, I, I, uh, I've, I've noticed that you haven't written an, uh, an, an a review, man. So, not yet. Uh, not yet. I, I haven't gotten it. It's funny. After we hang up <laughs> from our show every week, I don't think about you till next week. You're just physically drained. That's right. You know, I just can't. I it takes a while to come up to, to recover. So Kelly, this uh, week we're going to go back to our um, going to go in the news and talk about our news stories. Uh, people always send us emails; they like the segment of in the news. We try to keep the stories uh, evergreen. So if you listen to this a couple years from now, uh, so one of the things we'll do is we'll take the news stories and we'll kind of talk about uh, keeping it kind of in the modern day of what that's going to look like. But I'm going to let you start first, and uh, what kind of news story you got for us? 
Uh, this one came out at 1031 uh, a.m. this morning uh, where an American paramedic was killed while working on the ground in Ukraine uh, amid the, the war there between Ukraine and Russia. Pete Reed, a former Marine and, and current paramedic, was uh, volunteering to evacuate citizens in Bakhmut when uh, his ambulance was shelled. Uh, and they say he he uh, shielded uh, a colleague with his own body, uh, but died in the process. So it's, um, you know, you, you always hate to see uh, any one of our brethren uh, go down in the line of duty, uh, and especially where someone was following what for him, I'm sure, was a moral imperative rather than just his, his normal workaday routine. Uh, he didn't have to be in Ukraine uh, lending aid there. But I think that, um, it speaks to a larger thing. And a question, a question a friend of mine asked, uh, online the other day was at what point does, does being highly trained, uh, and, and skilled in your craft and rendering aid become a moral imperative, uh, whether you, you are legally required to or not. And uh, I have tremendous respect for those those who uh, don't have a legal requirement to do that, but give of themselves. Uh, and in this case, Pete Reed, you know, paid the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who uh, have served in the in the conflicts that we've had, both in Iraq and Afghanistan, and they continue to have that uh, level of service. And certainly, uh, a lot of people feel that the war in Ukraine is unjust and shouldn't be going on. There's a lot of our peers in the field that have gone over there to help and lend their expertise. I got to tell you, man, if I was a little bit younger and my body was in a little bit uh, better shape, I, I can't tell you that I wouldn't have gone. Um, certainly, I do feel uh, that it's unjust, and the people in Ukraine are doing a great job of trying to keep their independence. Um, you know, But if you don't have kids, uh, you're in good shape. Uh, you still have the ability to fight. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's something that is really important uh, for folks to think about. And, uh, you know, we tip our hat to, um, you know, to this uh, professional and uh, we wish his family the best uh, yeah. in, under the circumstances. And uh, one of the things that we really have to think about is, um, you know, how do we leave our mark in the work that we do? And certainly, um, you know, wanting to go back over to, to uh, the war zone and lend his expertise in some way, you know, but from yeah. our side, one of the things that I was talking to someone today about was stewardship and leaving the EMS profession better than we found it. And yeah. it made me think about when I read this story, knowing that we were going to talk about it, how will we leave our mark in EMS better than what we found it? Uh, are we just to the point Kelly, where, um, we have so much despair and, you know, we despise our career field and we hate that we do the things that we, I mean, whatever it is, sometimes it's not very good. Right. And, uh, yeah. so what do we do to leave our mark? Um, cause this is our own professionalism. This is our own professional mm -hmm. reputation. And, uh, I think people forget that sometimes, you know, 10 years from now, this work that you do still shows up on your work history. And yeah. uh, what will it say about you as you go forward and as you, you know, go on to the next phase in your career? I don't know that we think yeah. about that very much. I no, we probably don't. But but in, in a sense, that's that's why we have this podcast, because this is something we were, 
you know, uh, we do uh, to to uh, extend our advocacy and our passion for our profession, share that with people beyond uh, the guy in the other seat in the truck and beyond the people in the classroom. Uh, it's a way to leave our mark and, and hopefully leave our profession a little better than we found it uh, by, by spreading the message and, and getting advocacy out there to a, a broader range of people. I agree 100%. My uh, story goes to New York State, uh, East Greenbush, New York, and I just love this story when I found it. And, you know, you and I, we have talked about uh, volunteerism. We talk about the challenges that volunteer firefighters and EMS agencies have. And New York State uh, passed a bill uh, in this particular county that they would give members of this volunteer ambulance company a 10% uh, reduction in their county property tax. And, you know, one of the things that we think about is these are people who are truly giving their um, time. You know, they probably have full-time jobs. They're probably, you know, they have families they need to deal with. But when the, when the balloon goes up, these mm -hmm. people are dropping everything that they have for no money to go out and support their uh, community. And whether you're a firefighter, whether you're EMS professional, when that balloon goes up, they're getting in their cars, they're going to the stations or they're meeting at the scene and they're giving up whatever they were doing for people that they don't know. Now, uh, we do it too, right? But we get paid for yeah. it. We get compensated yeah. for it. And how are we going to continue to bring people into the volunteer uh, um, you know, world if we're not giving them something back? And, you know, 10%, eh, you know, depending on what your property tax is, it could be a little bit, you know, you're getting a little something back. Yeah. But I think that if you're in a volunteer agency, more and more states need to think about things that they can do. Uh, you know, they need to think about property tax reduction. They need to think about maybe, um, you know, reductions, if you qualify, reductions in insurance, uh, homeowners insurance, or, and that's going to really go towards more private companies. But we need to be able to figure out more ways that we can reward these heroes. And I think that, you know, 10% is 10%. And um, I think it's a good start. Yeah. The, you know, this is this type of thing is something that, that Nancy harps on uh, when she talks about uh, volunteer advocacy and, and how to uh, uh, how to support your local volunteers. Things like property tax rebates uh, or property tax exemptions. Uh, rebates on your utilities. Uh, I, I know of uh, at least one volunteer fire department where their water is free. Uh, and over the course of a year, that might be $500 a year. Uh, and she much prefers advocating that sort of thing rather than a, a per call stipend. But this is something that shows uh, a community uh, or a community shows to uh, uh, a volunteer squad that they're supporting them, and and this is a uh, this is a big thing. Maybe maybe a tuition exemption or tuition reduction at community colleges uh, and, and that sort of thing, similar to the way the National Guard works. Uh, all of these things uh, can help prop up the the volunteers in our country. And regardless of how you feel about the state of volunteer EMS and whether it's uh, it's good for our profession or not, the uh, geographically, more than half of our country is is uh, covered by volunteer EMS, and we cannot do without them at this time. Uh, if they went away tomorrow, we would be in a uh, a horrific state. So uh, this is this is a way to do that. And and you know we we forget about these volunteers. What's the old saying? Uh, we ain't nothing till you need us. Uh, we forget about these volunteers, but 
realistically, they're not just, uh, we shouldn't think of them as a volunteer uh, squad. We should think of them as a multi-million dollar uh, business that is funded with volunteer labor. And and the that labor has a dollar value. I forget in, in New York State, but the, the value of a volunteer dollar is somewhere close to $30 an hour. Um, so when you figure the amount of time they put into to readiness and staffing ambulances and that sort of thing, you're looking at maybe millions of dollars in, in payroll that is saving the county. Uh, and that's something that volunteer squads need to know and advocate uh, uh, and, and push to, to their, uh, uh, their citizens uh, to, to garner their support. And I think this is a great thing uh, in East Greenbush where they're supporting their squad that way. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> uh, there was a bad earthquake in, uh, in Turkey and Syria and back to the, our original thing. What is a, is there a moral, do we have a moral imperative to, to lend aid where we can, uh, we've got 80 plus, uh, Los Angeles County firefighters that joined the rescue efforts in Turkey and Syria, uh, after this uh, magnitude 7.8 earthquake, Jesus, that's huge, uh, which uh, totally devastated that region. Uh, and and uh, the uh, L.A. County is not the only uh, only agency lending aid here. Uh, we're back to, you know, what is it that drives us, Chris, to to be an EMS in the first place? Uh, it's certainly not the money and it's not the chicks. Uh, all the all the chicks that really are happy to see me coming are 85 years old and they have emphysema. Uh, that's why they're breathing heavily. But um, it's that that whatever it is within us that impels us to to live a life of service. Uh, we should be paid fairly for it, but that's not why most of us got into it. And and here, here's yet another example of uh, of uh, public servants. Uh, serving the public uh, and, and giving of themselves. And I think that's that's something that needs to be applauded as well. No, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, one of the things that we need to be able to think about is, um, you know, how we can, again, leave the mark and have good stewardship in the things that we do. But uh, I have to agree with you. My story is going to go to Cleveland, Ohio. And I was a little bit upset when I read this story because we remember in Cleveland, the EMS captain who was stabbed while on duty. Uh, well, yeah. they just sentenced the uh, person who did the stare, uh, stabbing uh, to two years of probation. And a uh, 42-year-old male, um, uh, he went ahead and pled guilty. Um, but he did go ahead and uh, get probation. Um, this is just a horrible story. You know, we've seen a lot of things that have been happening in the news and we see a lot of our peers that are getting assaulted and getting hurt on the job. And, uh, where is the, uh, you know, where's the, um, justice for those people? Uh, pardon me. And we've got to be able to think about now that this doesn't help our cause. If people are going to get probation, because they go ahead and they plead guilty. And I was a little disappointed in it, Kelly. I think that anybody who assaults EMS providers, similar to that of police, should be charged with a felony. Uh, it should be mandatory something. Um, but I don't know the two years probation is it. No, no, it's definitely not. Jail time. Jail time and, and lock them up and throw away the key. I, I don't know that we... 
we need to imprison someone for life uh, because we're ultimately paying for their care. And, and I resent doing that. Uh, but uh, definitely more than probation. This, there is somehow this idea that being assaulted, beaten, shot, stabbed, kicked is an occupational hazard that we should just deal with in uh, in the eyes of many of our policymakers. And and that's that's absolutely ridiculous. You know, uh, for for a long time, if you were a nurse insulted, uh, assaulted in the emergency department, uh, your employers kind of pressured you not to press charges and now they're they're taking a harder line on that sort of thing and will not put up with their with their staff being assaulted and i think our agency leaders need to do the same thing uh they need to really push for this and and you know this comes at a time where right now uh the the trial of the man uh, uh that ran down uh yadira arroyo in in new york city is just now starting six years six years before this guy could be tried. Now, he was originally declared unfit to stand trial, uh, apart probably a mental incapacitation or, or something like that. But now they've determined him to no longer be incapacitated and they're putting him on trial. And I, I do hope that he is uh, uh, found guilty and, and the punishment he deserves is rendered. I agree. What story do you have for us? was scrolling to it and I went back. Here we go. Where are we? Where are we? Blah, 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 blah. Um, you got to be better prepared. Yes, I am. Well, I, I closed it out and went back to Yadira Arroyo's, uh, thing. Um, where are we? Where are we? DARPA puts $46.4 million toward a synthetic blood development. Chris, how long has this been the Holy grail of trauma care? Um, we have had several uh, um, promising promising leads that turned out to cause stroke and heart attacks in an yep. unacceptable number of patients. But imagine what trauma care would look like uh, or pre-hospital trauma care would look like if there was a shelf-stable blood substitute, something that could carry oxygen, something that possibly had clotting factors that, that could uh, could plug a hole um, and and doesn't require any special refrigeration or any special handling, that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of, you know, what we, what we don't often appreciate is a, a lot of our advances in trauma care have been researched and funded through the military and particularly DARPA. And, and DARPA has, uh, has put a lot of effort into a, a blood substitute in the past. And, and now they're, they're sinking more money into it. And hopefully this, this will bear some fruit. You know, one of the things that I've, I've said, is that if there anything that comes out of the war, it really is going to be the innovation that the military has thought up, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, from, I mean, they were using duct tape to close wounds, right? So it's only yeah. a matter of time before we start to see something like that that's probably going through clinical trials. But, you know, it really comes down to the innovation that those folks in the field have to come up with. And uh, we have seen some products that have come out. Uh, you know, from all the, the, the conflicts that were going on around, um, you know, there are just some good, um, you know, equipment that are going to come into EMS. It's good to see something uh, good to come out. And this would be a game changer, right? I mean, you know, yeah. we don't have the opportunity to carry blood. There are some people that are carrying blood. There are some people that are carrying plasma. And But, you know, the, the effectiveness and the efficiency of doing this is something that's a little bit... Uh, you know, on the, on the far end of reality. 
And I had this discussion with someone the other day about ultrasound and you know how I feel about ultrasound. I don't know that ultrasound has a place in our field and uh, there's nothing that an ultrasound isn't going to tell me that I can do anything with on in route to the hospital. But anyway, that's well, I disagree, my, but, well, but yeah, well, well, that's one of the things we should talk about again, but I know yeah. that we do disagree, but uh, I'm going to come back to my, you know, famous question. What does it do for me? What do I need to know here? But, you know, from the military side, uh, there's a lot of things that are going to happen that is going to affect uh, EMS. And I'm just glad to see that this is something that is um, going to come around. My story yeah. uh, goes to, you know, I had the opportunity to jump out of airplanes and I've got just over a hundred jumps. I have uh, uh, jumps that are in excess of 30,000 feet free fall. And uh, wow. we just have, uh, there's a story about a parachutist who actually crashed into a home in California. He had a malfunction of his uh, parachute and uh he walked away from the fall and i gotta tell you and this is truly a nightmare for those who have jumped out of planes and who worry about if my main don't open wide and uh, you know uh, people talk about if you have a plan b uh, you weren't married to your plan a and i remind them that i carried <laughs> two parachutes when i went out of uh, aircraft and i was very very happy to uh, have that second parachute uh, in a hundred jumps i had to pull my reserve chute twice um and i was glad that it was there but uh you know i can't imagine what that feeling is like i can't imagine you thinking that you know you're you're, you're you could be living your last days right now um but this was one of those stories that when i read it it kind of gave me a little bit of uh um pucker factor let's say yeah because i would hate to be in that individual's shoes but then it made me think if you're responding to this call how do you take care of it how, how you know what is that going to look like but get your thoughts on the story first kelly you know i'm uh i i'm thankful that the that the man survived uh from reading the story he didn't totally just burn in he got a partial shoot opening maybe a uh, cigarette roll or something like that. And it slowed him a little bit, but uh, enough to keep him from bouncing. But um, this, this sort of thing is, is rare, but it's not unprecedented. There have been people who have free falled uh, and, and, and survived. Uh, you know what the saying is, it's not the free fall that kills you. It's a, the sudden stop at the end. Uh, and I'd also like to point out that you don't need a parachute to skydive. You just need a parachute to skydive a second time so uh I, I think that the the trauma management would be fairly straightforward you you got to think of of uh depending on how he landed uh, of uh uh blunt tissue trauma and and uh and things like uh acute deceleration trauma aortic uh dissection that sort of thing plus the broken legs and feet and all that kind of stuff just take care of those but and just because, just because he I ran. think he needs, a, I think they needed to bring him by, by the quickie mart on the way to the hospital and let him buy a couple of lottery tickets is what You're I You're just incorrigible, man. You're just incorrigible. It's you know, true. And, and just because he landed and he was okay at the scene doesn't mean he's not going to have more challenges. You know, Oh I, no, he's going to have some major problems. I would imagine. I had a friend of mine who was a uh, parachuting instructor, uh, used to drum, uh, jump tandem in Florida. And he, um, was jumping with somebody and had a heart attack in air in midair 
and uh, wasn't able to pull a shoot. And both those individuals, uh, they did pass away. So, you know, when you, mm. anytime you jump out of a perfectly good airplane, um, and they used to say that all the time, I can't jump out of a perfectly good airplane. And I would always say, well, they're C-130s. They're not perfectly good. You're happy. <laughs> you're happy to have a parachute when you're riding on a C-130. Um, but this is just something that we've got to be able to, uh, you know, pay attention to if we're going to be into skydiving. And there, I've run yeah. into a lot of people in EMS who are into skydiving, believe it or not. And uh, always try to keep yourself safe. But go ahead and give us our last story, Kelly. Well, that you know that has always been a long, uh, uh, long been a, a goal of mine. When I lose weight enough to to be able to free fall parachute without a tandem uh, instructor, uh, that's how I'm gonna reward myself. Is it really the weight? Is a yeah. Oh yeah, I want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane, you know, or a little Piper or whatever. That's that's maybe not be perfectly good, but uh, it's <laughs> really it's really interesting when you do that. I mean it. It's a little bit of nerve wracking. I can't tell you that I ever really liked it. Um, it was my job, so I had to do it. But um, the the most quiet and the most peaceful sound you'll ever hear is when you're under a canopy and falling down to earth. You know, oh, I can imagine. I mean, it is it is. You would think it'd be loud, but it's it's so peaceful. And uh, until you start to hear the the crowd or start to hear the traffic, or hopefully you're not landing in traffic, but. Uh, Something to look forward to. Yeah. Go ahead and give us our last well, story. Last story. May the 11th, President Biden is going to end the national emergencies for COVID-19. Uh, and as a result, free at-home testing for COVID-19 is going to end. Uh, vaccine costs are expected to rise uh, and hospitals are not going to get extra payments for treating COVID-19 patients. Um, that, you know, to me spells a couple of things number one that the the peak of the pandemic has long since passed and we're approaching normalcy now uh i don't think covid19 is going to go away i think it's part of the uh part of the flora uh now and 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 we'll we'll be dealing with it for years to come just like we do with flu and everything else but um if you haven't gotten your your uh um aid uh handled and and uh you haven't gotten your testing and your vaccine uh, now's the time to do it because by may 11th uh look for those things to skyrocket and you're gonna have to pay for your own test i gotta tell you man isn't it about time yeah you know, i mean it is. i mean are we COVID out or what i mean it was this, yes this was this was just horrible you know for the three or four years that it was in our society and you know, the people that uh, died because of it, the people yeah. who died who were um, uh, disbelievers of the disease or mm -hmm. the vaccine. And um, but I'm just glad that we've come to a point where this is going to be history and they'll be talking about this in our future. Uh, yeah. We lived it and I'm just glad that it's finally going away. Yeah. And we don't have to be at each other's throats arguing over it anymore. And, and that I welcome. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Do you have any news stories you'd like to cover? Any burning thoughts in your mind that you want us to address on the show? Well, send them to us at, at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Subalero, the guy in the funny uh, knit cap and the, and the very gray beard, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. <laughs>